Welcome to episode 86. Today's guest is Zoraida Morales. I met Zoraida through Mind Valley and instantly was inspired by her. She is a learner and a teacher. After a cancer diagnosis, she concluded she wanted to live an authentic and happy life. While living in this space, she started asking herself questions like, how do I want to live my life? What does living an authentic and happy life look like? Zoraida is also a single mom of two kids. Listen to this inspiring story from Zoraida. Thank you for reviewing, downloading, and subscribing to our podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you. Now be the messenger of hope and share this episode with one of your friends. If you'd like to suggest a future topic for the podcast, please fill out feedback form located in episode notes. Welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. I am your host, Irina Shehovtsov, and I am on a mission to empower broken-hearted women to break the chains of the past and move forward boldly into the future. Single Parent Success Stories was created to inspire single parents out there who are struggling to help them realize what is possible. Hello and welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. Today's guest is Zoraida Morales. She is a learner and a teacher. After a cancer diagnosis, she concluded that she wanted to live an authentic and happy life while living in the space and asking herself multiple questions such as how do I want to live or die? What does living an authentic and happy life look like, sound like, and feel like? What am I hungry for? What do I need and have? What do I need and didn't have? How do I get it? And Zoraida is also a single mom of two kids. Welcome. It is a pleasure to have you. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here, Irana. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So please share with us your story. How did you become a single parent? (laughs) Wow. So I'll tell you, I'll start with the story of when I knew that I had to get out of the marriage and I had to start planning. And so I was in the city working at a nonprofit and I started to hemorrhage through my nose. And I called my ex-husband to ask him to come pick me up. Um, and he wouldn't. He stated that he and my son had a basketball tryout and therefore he couldn't come to New York. And of course I was livid and I was pissed off. And, you know, I, I said things like, well, I'm sure the coach will understand if he knows the circumstances and, um, he still wouldn't. And the hemorrhaging was a symptom from my taking chemotherapy and, at that moment, I just knew that I had to plan to get away from him. It's unbelievable that they would pick up baseball tryouts and not come help you. Like, who does that? Exactly. I mean, that's what I thought. I mean, any friend would call me, anyone. If I were to see anyone who needed help, I'd be there. And, you know... When I look back, I wasn't surprised because six months prior to that, I had rotator cuff surgery and I came out of the hospital 
And he was taking his sweet time getting me food so that I can take the medication. And I really needed the medication because I was in pain after the surgery. And I stated to him that I was in pain and he was just taking his sweet time. And I was, I, I, I use all kinds of explicits and, you know, I started saying, okay, this isn't right. This is, this is, and this is like, so unlike him. Um, but then when he did it the second time with the hemorrhage incident, I knew I wasn't going to give him a third. Right. Right. Unbelievable. And yes, unbelievable, right? <laughs> when I hear the story, when I hear myself tell it, 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 it just behooves me. Like, who does that? Yeah. And what happened after that? What happened after you became a single mom? What were some so, of the challenges that you faced? Oh, I had every challenge because, you know, not only was I changing my whole world, but now I'm... I have the struggle of the, the side effects of my chemotherapy, but I knew that I could do this and I knew it wasn't going to be easy. So I was prepared for the challenge. So um, I, I planned and I actually was uh, working as a contract worker. So I was not a permanent employee. And I knew that once I was no longer with him, I wouldn't have health insurance. So I knew that I had to rely on my retirement funds in order to get there. But um, I finally, um, I took a trip by myself. And when I came back from that trip, I went right to him and I said, we're getting a divorce and you have three months to leave. Now I was married 22 years by that time. Oh, wow. And uh, I don't know why he was shocked because he had, usually exhibit some kind of narcissistic behavior, um, never to the extreme as those two incidents that I gave you, but um, he actually didn't believe that there was anything wrong with our marriage. He thought that I was, when I would say, you know, if you keep exhibiting this behavior, we're not going to make it to the next year or the following year. And who knows, he probably thought that, you know, She's a cancer patient. Who's going to want to go out with her, right? Um, she's not going to want to leave. I don't know what he thought, but I knew that I had to leave. And um, yeah, I, I, I just put on my big panties on, my big girl panties. And I said, I'm going to do this. And in three months, he didn't leave. And I actually threw him out. Um, and now I was, you know, in this home with two children who really did not like me because I changed their whole life. Oh, wow. How, how old were your kids when that happened? Uh, 12 and 15. So they were old enough to understand, but then young enough not to understand. Right. And so when I first explained it to them, I just said, mom and dad are just not in love with each other anymore. We love you. Um, and, you know, you'll have us, you'll be a family with him. I'll be a, your family, but um, we cannot be together. Um, and it took me a couple of years before I finally told them the truth, because, you know, we're brought up not to talk to our children about adult things, but the adults in my orbit were telling my children different things. 
And so it was just adding to their discomfort and to their, their, their desire of not wanting to be with me. Um, so I finally told them the truth. And when I told them the truth, they cried. And I didn't tell them because I wanted them to dislike their dad. I told them, look, your, your father's been a great dad. That's that I can say, but he's just not a great husband. And I need to take care of myself. And this is just not for me anymore. And I did the best I could. And, um, you know, forgive me because I'm just doing the best that I can. And they, you know, my little one who was 15, I think by the time I told him, he said, mom, you have nothing to ask us to forgive you. We, for we, <laughs> we ask you to forgive us because we didn't make it easy for you. So it was a pivotal, pivotal moment. Wow. Wow. But it's incredible, you know, you're coming out and telling your kids and you're not, you know, carrying this on you so long and to get everybody on board and to, to share your story. Well, look, it still took me a lot um, because as women, we're just conditioned to feel shame and guilt. We just are. And I still carry some of it. Um, right now, I'm about to read a book. Uh, who is it? By James Bradshaw, Healing the Shame That Binds You. Because I still have, I not only do I have some of the shame from the divorce proceedings, because they were rough, um, but from my childhood. You know, I had, you know, you know how it is. Once you start digging deep into why did my marriage didn't work? Why am I in this position? Then you all of a sudden you find yourself digging into your childhood and you real I realized that I had I knew I had childhood traumas and I thought I had them under control but they were just under the surface and so as I was digging through my childhood um, traumas and limited beliefs I realized that I needed more help than I than I thought that's important work and um... it is and it's glorious because once you come to the other side, you know, you, you have a different perspective. And so it leaves, um, it leaves you with this curiosity and just a bigger vision than you can ever think of. So for me, my divorce was the best thing that ever happened to me because not only did I, I take care of a lot of my adult issues, but I took care, I'm taking care of my childhood issues which means now I'm leaving space for all the good stuff that's coming in. And I can tell you, you know, with pain comes glory and it's been incredibly enriching of my life. I mean, I took a trip to Europe for five weeks by myself. I would have never thought I, I mean, I just never thought I would do that, but I did. And that's because I had that confidence of look, I just spent two years in, in, in divorce proceedings. I can do, I can do anything now. <laughs> this is so true. And yes, you're incredible you're for doing that. And I can relate, you know, to releasing your shame and all your other emotions. I went through NLP uh, certification process and timeline therapy. And in timeline therapy, I was able to remove my, release my shame and all those negative like anger and sadness and grief and it's 
such a relief and it's not to say that you are deleting your past all you're doing is you're going back and you seeing what kind of lessons did you learn from that particular situation and and the lessons are usually positive (laughs) so so and then you get to reimagine your life from a different uh, viewpoint and all of the events that followed so it is a very important work and everybody should do that or should is not a good word to use but I was gonna say um I'm thinking the same thing I think everyone should do it and I and I know we we use we don't use the word should but I encourage people to do it because um my life coach calls it leaving the life that you were born in to lead the life that you were born to live and I love that it's almost the way it's almost the way I think of life now I think of life as life by design not default because we can't control where we came from and how we were brought up but we can change the way we're living and the way I'm living is totally different than the way I was brought up or even the way I lived my first 50 years of my life I mean because I'm learning all this I've been doing this now for the last nine years um, and I still have so much more to go, um, but I wish I, I wish there were a mind valley that, uh, you know, for teenagers when I was younger, because I would have been a different person. But at the same time, I, you know, I have no regrets because it's taking me to this place right now. And I am in such a great place. Um, and it couldn't have happened without all those lessons, because those lessons happened for me. I used to think they happened to me, um, but I've changed, you know, I've changed my mindset. It's just like when I got the cancer, I had to change my mindset. I had to say, do I want to live? Do I want to die? What am I hungry for? What do, how do I want to live? And how do I get it? Because I just find that now I ask myself questions all day long. And this is how I make decisions now. I just ask myself these questions. Um, in order to come up with these answers. Um, so I'm not doing, I'm not making decisions now based on my mind and my ego. I'm making decisions based on my heart and intuition. You still need the mind and the ego, right? Cause they get things done and they have some good ideas but the mind only knows what it knows, right? You don't know what you don't know. And the ego, well, you know, the ego goes crazy sometimes. And you already feel crazy when you're a single parent. So <laughs> I need, I always try to keep my ego under control and I, I try to lead with my heart and my intuition. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. What kind of advice would you give to your younger self? Oh boy. The same advice I give to my children, self-love, because that's how I got through that process of cancer. Well, let me just say that I just celebrated my first year of remission with no chemotherapy after 14 years. Congratulations. Yes. And I did it. I I feel so healthy mentally, physically, spiritually, because I've been exercising self-love. So ever since that diagnosis, I've been teaching my children and I have two boys, right? They're 17 and 20. I'm teaching them self-love because I'm exercising self-love. And so self-love, when I was growing up, I thought it was getting a mani and a pedi and a a massage once a month. 
that's not what self-love is. I mean, it could be, but it's a form of it. But self-love is, for me, is setting boundaries with myself. So that means that I don't let my mind tell me things that are false, make me feel bad, tell me that I should do something, right? Um, which means that I no longer make excuses for people's bad behavior. Um, I no longer um, put myself in situations that I shouldn't be in. And um, I think doing that um, means that I'm teaching people how to, how to speak to me, how to treat me. Um, and so I'm doing that with my children because my children are young and no one ever teaches you how to do this. Now, I don't know about you, but I was brought up in a Puerto Rican household and I'm the oldest where no one exercises self-love. You basically do what's best for the family and the community, right? And you're, you grow up taking care of others. And so I'm a caretaker by nature. I'm a caretaker, which is so great that I'm a nutrition and cancer coach now. Because what I did was, right, I kind of like pivoted right. and used it yeah. to my advantage. Yeah. Yeah. But the self-love and the self-care, right, that means I get I get as much sleep as I need, as much rest as I need. Actually, I came back from Tallinn at Mind Valley University, and I said, why am I putting all this pressure on myself? So now, between 3 and 4 o'clock, I take an hour to myself to do whatever I want or nothing. Because I'm working 12-hour days. Um, you know, starting a business, but I'm not taking, I wasn't really taking, well, that part needed to be added to my schedule to exercise more self-love because I find that you can never exercise enough self-love. So I'm learning more self-love and more self-love as I lead. Um, so it's self-love, self-trust, and self-acceptance. I'm teaching my kids that now, you know, that's hard because we live in a society that poo-poo's on self-love. You're, you're known as, well, you could be thought of as narcissistic or um, aloof or, um, you know, social media is not about, you know, social media tells you to, um, you know, put yourself out there, um, you know, make a fool out of yourself, um, be inauthentic. Being authentic is really important to me. So I am teaching my children all that and the, you know they're boys so they find it like mom do I made a commitment how can I not go to work today and I said I told my child honey you just had a car accident you need to stay home and process it for a while you need your mind and your body just went through a lot so exercise some self-care call your your boss and let him know that you had a car accident and you'll contact him tomorrow morning but you're not coming in today and Again, years ago, I would have gone to work. I swear to God, I would have gone to work as though nothing happened because I made a commitment. But I'm teaching him that, yes, commitments are important, but your well-being is even more important. And so I am putting that number one. My children, I'm teaching them, and I'm hoping that they continue to embrace it because, you know, they're going to have women one day. And, you know, oh, if they already have but you know what I mean you know one day they're gonna get married and you know it's true you can't really love someone else if you can't love yourself and um the self-love for me is the biggest thing because it's what 
that's helped me move through the divorce, move through the cancer in an authentic, happy way, like authentically happy, not faking it, not putting it on social media that I'm happy, but staying home and looking at TV and wondering, um, you know, why am I not doing X, Y, Z? Um, so self-love is like my mantra. <laughs> That's my thing. Yeah, awesome. What What is one of your favorite uh, practices of self-love? So I'm going to tell you a little secret. So I am, I am known for taking a bubble bath between Zoom calls if I need it because yeah so Thursday yeah I know I mean I have to put the alarm on don't get me wrong because there's times I'm like oh my god I gotta call in 10 minutes I gotta get out of the bathtub but Thursdays are like my really rough days like I have a really long day and uh, a lot of it is on zoom and sometimes you know they're very intense days and they're coaching days and they're they're um their community days. And so it takes a lot out of me. And when I feel that I'm drained, I need to replenish myself. So I'll, I'll take a bubble bath. Um, sometimes I do a 10 minute yoga. Um, I'll go for a walk. Um, sometimes I'll just have a cup of tea and do a meditation. It all depends on what I'm feeling. If I, if I have a lot of energy, right, I'll do an exercise, but if I just want to, um, chill, I'll do a bubble bath or a meditation. Yeah. That's the, that's what, and people know that about me, um, <laughs> but I love it. I love it. Yeah. Whatever makes you happy and fills your battery. Cause we're not energizer bunnies. We need to replenish. I totally agree. Charge. <laughs> yes. Yes. We need to recharge our batteries and you know, it's not conventional. I know, but it's, it's, I'm listening to my heart and that's what my heart wants. And, you know, my heart may want something different. Um, in a few weeks, I may learn something new, but for right now, those are, oh, you know what I also do? I went back to being seven years old. I started thinking, okay, what are the things that I loved when I was seven? So I love baseball, but you know, I'm at an age where I couldn't walk around with a bat and a glove. And a, so, um, I purchased, um, word search puzzles and actually those hard puzzles like 500 pieces because that's what I liked as a kid now you know for anyone who's gonna watch this I didn't have the internet when I was growing up so <laughs> so I had to find ways to entertain myself right and those are the things that really ground me and they ground me now so I'm actually doing a puzzle with my 17 year old that's very nice. My 17 year old. He's like, how do you do this? Like, he, he, he's like, I like it. He goes, I like it because we're, we're quiet. We talk sometimes, but we're quiet. Um, but it just grounds you. And he's, he just, he's such an active boy. Like he plays all kinds of sports. So for him to actually sit there for 30 minutes with me, I relish it. <laughs> I relish it. <laughs> Anytime I can get with my children because they're at an age where they don't want to spend time with me. Um, yeah, that works for me. That's amazing. My son, he's going to be eight this week. He Aww. loves, he loves uh, puzzles too, like those. And he's like yeah. great at it, putting it together. And 
Yes, we do that as well. That's so nice. It's a very great great activity. Yes, and you know what's the the thing is that when when we become adults, we stop doing the things that we loved when we were little. But the good thing is that when we become this adult and we're looking for those that feeling that we had when we were children, I hope your child goes back to doing puzzles because for me, it's what got me through COVID. <laughs> you know, doing all the things that I liked when I was younger. And yeah, those are the things that really worked for me. That's how I survived COVID. Yeah, I think it's incredible. And I do recommend people practicing 10 minutes of joy every day. Yes. To bring out the child because, yeah, we have this big adult bodies, but on the inside, we're still little kids. And it's good for that little five-year-old to come out, a seven-year-old. That's right. <laughs> because they know how to have fun. Right? Yeah. Kids know how to have fun. They're not thinking about what people think of them. Um, you know, they're just doing what their hearts desire. And, and you know, I, I want to think of myself as the person who, yes, I'm an adult, but I want to be happy, authentically happy. And those are the things that authentically just come to mind and just give me that joy. And it's that's what life is about. It's about joy. Yeah, totally. I When I was coming out after my uh, divorce and breakup, I just wanted to be happy again. And I was on my own journey to discover happiness. And what I discovered, it's not actually outside, it's all inside of us. And it is our decision to decide and be happy now and not wait for next promotion or next thing or that person. Yes, because those external things aren't going to give us joy. I mean, I know what you're saying. I did the same thing. I said, what is it that brings me joy? And, and then what does joy look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? And I had to figure it out. I mean, you know, working on yourself takes a lot of work and it takes time away from watching TV, having a cocktail, talking with your friend. But I really enjoyed, you know, I wouldn't say I enjoyed because it wasn't really enjoyable at all. It was actually stressful, but I enjoy it now that I've gone, I've, I've asked myself all those questions and I've worked through it. And now I can feel joy on my own by myself. I don't need anyone actually to feel joy every day. And I feel joy every day. I mean, I, I put on music, I dance like nobody's watching. Um, you know, I'll do a puzzle. Now I don't have a lot of free time, but in between calls, yeah, I'll, I put on music. There's music always on in my apartment. And, um, you know, it feeds my soul. And so I encourage people to do the things that make them happy and feeds their soul every day, a few times a day. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. I love it. What do you think is the most important trait to instill in a child? Mm. You know, we go back to that self-love, self-care, self-acceptance. And I think even more so with social media and society telling children how they should act. And even, you know, even the older generation, uh, my ancestors, you know, they have a different way of, of understanding self-love and self-care. Um, and I, I, I really instill it on my children, right? 
I tell them self-love is not taking care of your family. Yes, you should love your family. Yes, you should want to do things for them to make their life easy. But you need to take care of you first, right? As a this young adult. And so, for instance, I have a 20-year-old and he's going, I'm taking him back to college. He's a junior at Ryder University. And this summer he's been working, um, working a lot and saving his money. And, you know, he's he's lucky because we are paying his tuition. He does not have to take out a student loan like I did. I had to pay three student loans back. And actually the last of my payments was 2012. And I know people who are still paying them because it's so expensive in the United States to, to go to college. And so the other day he was, he's, you know, he's, he's finishing up his, his shifts because he's leaving Brooklyn. He's going back to New Jersey. And um, he hadn't eaten in like five, six, seven hours. And I was like, no, honey, that's not self-love. That's not self-care. He's like, oh, mom, I just want to, you know, I'm trying to make as much money as I can because I'm going to have a really um, a strenuous schedule. And I said, yes, but on a day-to-day -day basis, you have to practice the self-love. That means you eat every four or five hours. I mean, I understand if you can't do it one day, but make it a priority. Um, and, you know, and take care of yourself. I said, all I want you to do is be happy. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm happy celebrating my kids' bees and, you know, even a couple of C's, you know, I'm just that person because, um, again, those are those external things that are not going to change the world, right? My, I'm more, I'm more, um, I'm more, I'm, I concentrate more on what's inside my child, his, his, the way he treats himself, the way he treats others, you know, those, those inner things. Um, and he just looked at me and he like, he was, he said, thanks mom. Like, thank you for giving me permission. Right. Thank you. Because he's that type of kid. He wants to, he's an older, he's the oldest. So I know because I'm the oldest. So he wants to please his parents. Right. And he wants to, be the best that he can be but he's again he's thinking of those ex external things those outer goals and it's the inner goals that for me that i've learned are more important his character right his emotions um his social skills um you know his life vision we talk about those things because those are the things that are you know that shape him yeah i love it Thank you. Yeah, that's amazing. What what uh, do you think? <clears throat> what kind of advice can you share with single parents who are just stepping onto that journey of single parenting? I am going to go by the experience that I had. And I am going to say let guilt and shame be gone because we as parents always feel it. We feel it from our ancestors, our extended family, from our friends, from society. You know, guilt and shame does not belong in a healthy household. And so whatever decision a single parent makes, especially a woman, I, I know, cause I come from a divorced family. Um, I know that women do not do this lightly because they know that they they have so much more to lose than a man. 
I mean, they're losing, you know, they lose it for themselves. They lose money. They lose security. They lose um, shelter. Um, there's... So I know that when a woman asks a man for a divorce, she's not doing it lightly. So I say get rid of the guilt, get rid of the shame. And secondly, and most importantly, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself because I wrote, I had a, I, I ended up writing a poem and I'm not, I don't even write poems, but I wrote a poem last year during one of the lunar eclipse. I was just so inspired because I, I have forgiven everyone, my family, friends, bosses, my ex-husband. And now it was really my turn, but and I had to leave, you know, it, I'm harder on myself than I am on anyone else. So I, I had to forgive myself and I still do not live with any guilt. If I feel bad about something I did, you know, because I'm not perfect, right? I say, I'm sorry to myself or to the person or I'll write it, but forgiveness, forgive yourself because you don't know what you don't know. And you're not that same person where we're all at a different level of consciousness, right? Who we were 10 years ago is different than who we were a month ago and who we were yesterday. I mean, I know I've already learned a couple of things from yesterday. So, you know, we tend to hold on to these negative things and it's our mind holding us back. And when I came back from Portugal, I said, why? I'm holding myself back. I'm holding myself back. I'm telling myself things that are not true and that are not that important. So forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for your kid now leaving suburban household, house going to the city in an apartment. Forgive yourself for your child not being happy. Forgive yourself for, for staying with a man too long. I mean, every time I wanted to leave, I had a health problem to, to address. So I couldn't leave, right? It took me a really long time before I could leave. So forgive yourself. Just And, and you know what? I just remembered. Work through those childhood traumas and limited beliefs, like especially after the divorce, because that's when you sit there. I mean, I came to New York in a pandemic. I sold my home in New Jersey where I had open space, 3000 square feet. And then I moved to New York. I'm in a 750 square foot apartment. And I was like, how the hell did I get here? And after I got my apartment together, I said, this is a good time to dig deep, dig, right? Oh, because I got let go during COVID as well. So I said, I'm going to dig deep. And so I, you know, a divorce is a really good time to dig deep because I thought a hundred percent, it was my husband's fault. I was like, oh, he's an asshole. He's narcissistic. He is, um, um, he's always, Oh, I can't think of the word now, but I was thinking all these negative things and it was all his fault. Well, after I did all my work and I'm, like I said, I'm still doing it. I take 15% ownership now. You know, I came in with my own baggage. I came in with my own limited beliefs. I came in with my childhood trauma. I was not always nice. I was not always uncomplicated. So I own it. Right. Um, and doing that has actually helped me move from a finance executive assistant project manager to now a nutrition and cancer coach, which I love. I mean, I could work 12 hour days and I don't even feel like I'm working because now I'm helping others, right? 
but before I do that, I help myself. So I, I, I'm that type that I don't give from an overflowing cup, from, from a, from a filled cup. I give from an overflowing cup. Like, like my mornings are for me. I do, I drink tea. I journal. I meditate. I do prayers. Um, and it's all me, 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 me. And then I do, I take care of the outside world. So I don't mind working till eight, nine o'clock at night because I've already taken care of me. I love it. I think it's amazing and how you you were able yet yeah, to overcome that and dedicating time for you. That's incredible. I love my mornings as well. And I think it's important to have a morning routine. Doesn't matter when you wake up, it matters how you wake up and what you do for yourself. And when you fill yes. your cup, then yeah, you can stay and work until late. And the work doesn't feel like work, it feels like play. I'm actually a better parent. I, I, and you may agree, but I'm actually a better parent now because when my children they interrupt me during the day, um, you know, and it's and if they're here, it's all day. I, I feel like I took care of myself. I did my exercise. I, you know, I, I did all the things that made me happy. And so as a parent, and, and actually that's the best job I've ever had being a parent. Um, I'm ready to give. And when I give, I give with my heart and I'm calm. I'm, you know, I find that I'm parenting so differently um, and I'm liking it and they're liking it too. Yeah. 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 I noticed the same with myself. If, if I skip some part of my morning routine, I'm more reactive. Or if I yeah. have everything <laughs> yeah. done, like you can interrupt me and I'm still going to be even, I'm not going to explain. Yes, I agree. And you know, it's great because now we're, we're leading by example. You know, it's not just talk. And so they get to see that and, you know, they make little shifts. And we don't even realize it. And it's because we've made the shifts. And I found that as I've been shifting, they've been shifting. But guess what? My ex-husband is shifting. More than I even expected. And I know this because we co-parent together. Because, you know, my little one is 17. More so for him. Um, and he used to be my best friend at one point. I've known him 30 years. Um, and he's shifting. I mean, he's being more reflective, um, listening to his inner self, listening to his heart and his intuition. Um, he still hasn't processed his childhood trauma, um, but that's on him and I don't care. That has nothing to do with me. But I, I can tell you that he is a, a, a better person since our divorce. And we've been divorced now three years. And uh, yeah, he is, he's changing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my point is, it doesn't just affect you. Any changes you make, it affects you, your children, and then the other people who are around you. You don't even plan it that way, but that's how it's happening for me. Yes, that's so true. The ripple effect. It's the ripple effect. Yeah. Any fun projects you're working on now that you like to share? Oh, well, this was a nice um, talk. So thank you for that. Um, yes, I've been asked to write a chapter in a book. So I'm really excited about that. So I'm actually going to work on that this afternoon. Um, I am launching my website. So right now it's inactive. 
but um, I'm hoping to launch by the end of this month. Let me see. I just spent six, five weeks in Europe doing a lot of learning, which was so wonderful. So I've got all these um, downloads and that I'm incorporating into my life. And um, I'm so looking forward to the future. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and your wisdom. If people would like to connect with you or find you, where would they go? Well, right now I'm in LinkedIn under Zareda Morales. Um, I'm also going to be launching my website, ZaredaMorales.com. And I'm in Instagram at ZMorales2018. Is there anything I haven't asked that you'd like to share? Um, I think you touched on everything, but I do want to let people know or just inspire people to live their life by design and not default. That is so true and so important because oftentimes we have that predefined path of how like you grow up you go to school you get a job you start a family yes you work and you retire and finally then you do something that you like yes <laughs> and i say do it now do it while you're healthy do it while you're young do it while you know you still have your family and your friends around you yeah yeah, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. We're going to include all of the links and connection uh, in the episode notes. I love having you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. If you like this episode, please share with somebody who would benefit. You can leave comments, topic suggestions, and add your reviews on Apple Podcasts. It also helps greatly when you download the episode. If you feel lost, emotionally hurt after divorce and want to rediscover who you are, you don't have to do it alone. Join our community on Facebook, Limitless Women, Self-Love, Mindset, and Support for Relationships, where we hold trainings and various events to help you thrive and become happy again. Because life after divorce is possible and can even be great. If no one told you today, I want you to know that I love you and believe in you because you are limitless.